to it uh hello there friends and enemies lovers and haters welcome to sends and suffers podcast i am your host mario stanley so this is the last episode of our lbgtq plus series with alexa it has been a project i'm happy to release this this whole experience and i've talked about it a lot and i know it's gone on for quite a while but it has sat with me in a way that I was not expecting, nor did I ever think. I just wasn't in my realm. I walk away looking at another side of this community with so much more empathy, with so much more love, with so much more depth. Realistically, actually, that's really what it is. And with that, I feel closer. So thank you, Alexa, for being the host. Thank you for allowing me your time, your patience, your energy. It's been amazing. I hope this whole series gives to you what it has given to me or a glimmer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lovers and haters, friends and enemies, all of you around the world, enjoy the episode. Wouldn't it be nice if people educated themselves so that you didn't have to correct them because they didn't assume in the first place, A, what any gender looks like, because that's inappropriate, and there's no B. That's it. Don't assume. Yep. That's the shortest and like the most direct soundbite that I have uh, selected because it's just so like direct okay. and just like it all like makes sense. I don't have to really go into much, too much about it. It's just no, like- I think Nana summed it up really yeah, well. Yeah. It's it's just like- stands on its own. And I think that's like kind of what we were talking about, like as social norms and things are changing, times are changing, you know, and it's like, I don't know, there's, I don't want to get into the negative of it, of people who are holding on to the past, but focusing on the future and focusing on where things are going. I think that is people are people. You are who you are Mm -hmm. and these social norms, which have been around forever ever let's just state this like i mean they've been around around in this country but in terms of our history like as human beings in general like there's been trans people documented in history oh yeah that like that's what i mean our culture our like u.s history has like essentially just like wiped away because it goes against our current like culture and ideologies around gender yeah i mean well the native americans native americans almost i imagine every country every culture historically for centuries there has been trans or some form of this of gender non-conforming people yeah uh, yeah non-binary gender non-conformity for centuries Mm -hmm. and it's this you know when you have you know two major religions dominating the world for most of the world, either Christianity or Muslim and no one else like that. And I'm not knocking on them saying that they're terrible or evil mm-hmm. things. You, you believe what you believe. Yeah. I support you. I love you. And I will help you believe what you want to believe. You know, I'm not saying it's my jam, but the reality is, is, you know, as we have advanced in modern technology, as we have advanced as a people, I believe there's a certain amount of civil civilness civilness that has come people are becoming more accepting people more becoming more uh understanding people understanding that like everyone is different 
prior to, you know, I mean, we're just going to say it like it is. I mean, I mean, a couple centuries ago, you and I would never be sitting in this room together. Yeah. And the reality is, is the world had come a long way. And I really believe what Nana just said was simply put, like, this is where we're going. And we just need to accept it now. And like, and it's the funny part about it is, is people are acting like it's brand new. And I think that's the part that like baffles me. Like yeah. Nana saying that statement to me is like, well, of course that makes perfect sense. Like, yeah. Like why? Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It know? doesn't matter. It doesn't affect other people. And that's the thing no. that like, I've seen this like screenshot of a tweet or something and I'll just like paraphrase it, but essentially it's like, oh my gosh, you're using these pronouns to define yourself and like doing all these things that don't affect me. And for some reason, I'm so upset by it. Mm. And that like just says everything you need to know is like for some reason, like this cisgender community of people that are more conservative are so obsessed with it and not wanting to let it go, even though it has no effect on them. Like it's not that we're not forcing them to do anything with themselves or change anything about themselves. Even all all we're doing is like, just asking for the common decency and respecting who we are. Yeah. I mean, even if someone doesn't want to acknowledge their pronouns or say anything at the end of the day, just don't be a jerk. Yeah. Just be respectful. Like if it's yeah. not your jam, it's not your jam. I, I mean, I don't expect everybody to, I don't expect, you know, someone who's like, you know, who is alive. Uh, I'm not saying everyone is this way, but I don't expect anybody who is alive and around when Emmett Till got, you know, beaten and killed and just mutilated. I don't expect them to not call me boy. I don't expect them to not say anything like that. But do I care that they do it? hundred percent. I do. But mm-hmm. I also understand that, you know, like I, 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 it's weird. This is, I think where I'm different. Like, do I care that they said it? Yes. But do I care enough that they said it to let it really affect my life, knowing that I'm not really going to be around them. And I have no yeah. intention to be around them because if you're going to be that kind of person, I'm just not going to have you in my orbit. Exactly. Nah. Now, if I have to have you in my orbit for an extended period of time, oh, we're going to have a come to whoever yeah. you believe moment. You're going to have a conversation around yeah, it. Yeah. But like the reality is for me, it's like, you know, this is where I think it's like, you know, relationships based on communication even if they are not intimate relationships even if they are not intimate friendships even if they are not people that you have in your circle but relationships based on mutual respect and loving communication is something that we need more of yeah and i you know and i i I don't know i mean we're kind of going on yeah we're we're going really far off this short sound clip that didn't need any explanation and we're just diving so far yeah no it's 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 very important and like i totally I will say this and shut up about this one, but like, I totally get what you're saying about like, if it's someone you're never going to see again, it's not that big of a deal to acknowledge. And I've experienced the similar thing. If I get like misgendered by someone in public, like that can like really affect me mentally. Um, and like really just like tear me down on the inside. And if it happens enough and I don't acknowledge it and like, like work with myself through it, then like, I'm going to have like some type of like, you know, emotional reaction at some point. Truth. But like, I'm not going to like, if I'm never going to see them again, I'm not going to take the strength or the time to acknowledge it and like correct them. But if it's someone that I know that I'm going to have to be around and I can't just like not have that person in my life, then yeah, I'm going to have to have that conversation with them. Mm -hmm. So I very much agree with what you're saying there. And it's, it's challenging. 
Yeah. And I think that's like a hard part with all of this, because I think some people, I don't know, I've always felt like that's common sense. But at the same time, I've met people who are like, no, 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 no. Like, we're going to fix this right now. And I'm like, well, I'm like, you're never going to see this person again, like ever. Like, if you run into this person again in the middle of the highway, getting gas in the middle, on our way to Colorado, in the middle of nowhere, if you run into the McGam, it's a miracle. Yeah. I was like, wait until the miracle happens and then address it. Because yeah. at that point, you'll have some power behind the whole situation. <laughs> but like, and I think, and but and no me, and once again, I don't want to unvalidate anyone's feelings and i know we're going totally on a side track here and this is just all me but at the end of the day i guess all i'm trying to say is nana's statement to me simply puts that like we need to start talking yeah conversations need to be had with the people that are in your lives that are important to you because if you have um, so they can have a better understanding and like learn more about your perspective and your situation so they can better understand and trust you because that's essentially what it boils down to Mm -hmm. is that the people who like you said you never you know had that feeling or experience if you don't know what it's like and that's true because like you know you're a cisgender and you're like you're never going to fully understand that feeling if you haven't felt it and it comes down to me or other trans people you know expressing their experiences and their perspectives Mm -hmm. so people can better understand not fully understand but better understand agreed so they can trust us Mm -hmm. and be able to like educate themselves with that information and with those perspectives to be more respectful and to like have that relationship Mm -hmm. be like better yeah no no agreed very much so all right ready yeah so this one's sam Mm Yeah, no, I, I definitely relate as well. I mean, the internalized homophobia, you're taught to hate yourself, you know, like people glorify yeah. everything that you're not. It was, uh, it wasn't super helpful for me because, um, what am I talking about? Uh, I didn't have anyone that I felt was gay that I could relate to when I was growing up. Like my dad worked at an office in San Francisco and um, two people were gay and one of them was, um, very flamboyant. And my dad would openly make fun of the flamboyant guy. And my two older brothers would laugh along with it. And I'm like, I, that's mm-hmm. like somebody that I kind of see myself in. Um, and I don't like that, you know, it's something to be made fun of. Um, but then there's like other experiences where, you know, they accepted gay people. And so it was just like this weird kind of like gaslighting of like, you know, I feel like people, accept gay people because they're supposed to um like they don't want to be seen as bullies or homophobic but then also like mm-hmm. we're the butt of jokes and stuff and so um it was interesting because i didn't have anyone that i felt like was me growing up um to look up to uh especially like in the outdoor or sport industry you know i felt like if i wanted to do sports i was supposed to go into ballet or something <laughs> like something <laughs> and so it was interesting cuz like um i think it was in 2008 there's this diver named matthew mitchum and he's from australia and he won a gold medal at the olympics and he was the first openly gay person to do so um and so i i looked up to him i was like that guy is doing something really cool and he's open about it um and he was just like um, do you know Adam Rippon? 
Can't say that I do, but the name sounds Yeah, familiar. it was just like the same sort of thing with Adam Rippon, who's a figure skater, who's just like very much just like, this is who I am. Um, I'm going to be myself and I will take you down if you make fun of me for like being who I am, you know? And it's just like, it's kind of, it's a cool thing to look up to. Um, and before then I hadn't really had that. And then, um, uh, another Olympic person, um, Tom Daly, he came out after the fact, after winning medals and stuff. And it's just like, it begged the question to me, it's like, well, why are people coming out so late? You know, like, why can't you just come out early achieve your goals and be who you are. It seemed like that wasn't possible still, mm-hmm. uh, except for like a few people. Um, and like, if you apply that to today, we're like, we still have a little bit of internalized homophobia. Cause when we grew up, there wasn't anybody like us and we weren't supposed to be who we are. If you apply that to today in the climbing industry, there's still nobody that I feel I could look up to really in the climbing industry. There are a few people that are definitely out at the top of, you know, like Madeline Sorkin and Alex Johnson. Um, Mm -hmm. and like those people are super cool and I I relate to their experiences, but also I I feel like it's, it's like not enough for me. And I don't feel great saying that, but like, you know, there's no like openly gay dude that's like sending the number. And I'm like, why doesn't that exist? Like, that should, if you just look at the numbers in terms of like the population of how, like the percentage of LGBTQ people, why is it mm-hmm. so not represented in the upper end of climbing? And I don't know the answers to those questions, but they, they sit there in my mind and like, that's part of internalized homophobia that still exists in my mind today. It's just like, well, why aren't people like me up there with people like them? Yeah. Uh, that's a really, yeah, that's a really good point. So yeah, you're right when you're saying that you, we're never really done. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we, I just want someone to look like me and be like me, but also not just me, all the other people that are underrepresented in climbing, you know, there's nobody that mm-hmm. represents them. I'm just like, okay, that's annoying. <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. So that one, um, to help and kind of preface it and got towards at the end, you know, we were discussing like internalized homophobia and for me, like internalized transphobia and, you know, how, you know, we both grew up in this completely different environment. And like even Sam, like growing up uh, in the Bay area where it's like a very, like, very like, you know, LGBTQ area and like very like positive, like for the queer community there. Um, and they still grew up with this internalized homophobia based on their surroundings and their family and the way that, you know, like you said, it with his dad and his brother is like, you know, laughing at this, you know, more effeminate gay uh, person. And like, it's, it's very similar to how like my understanding for like who gay people were growing up was like the idea that a gay man had to be effeminate, like a gay person had to be effeminate was like my understanding of like what a gay person was. And that's why I was like so confused growing up myself because like I was relating that to like for men to be gay, they they had to be this, but like that was my whole misunderstanding was like this thing that like, Mm -hmm. and that's not the case. Like gay people, gay men, especially or queer men don't have to perform femininity to be gay. They can be, masculine gay men out there they are it's just not how it's portrayed in the media so it's not how we learn about it growing up and that's such an important tool that like 
educates us. Mm-hmm. And so like I had this complete misunderstanding, this complete mashup for what I thought, for who I thought gay men were supposed to be or who they are. And like I had such a hard time myself because I grew up thinking I was just gay. But mm-hmm. it that didn't make sense to me because it was something else there that I was missing growing up, not having the understanding of what a transgender person was. And I think had I had that information sooner, I would have been able to realize that. And so like we were saying, you know, like it's something we grew up with and it's something we had in our system for so long from our past and our history and our family and the media and everything that like for me, I have 27 years of this history of this like need to think that being gay is wrong or like being trans isn't right. Mm -hmm. I have to like, like go back and like constantly deconstruct that mindset because it is just the normal or the standard for so much of us in our culture. And so, yeah, it's something that like, like Sam was saying, like I was saying, it's something we have to constantly work on the longer that we had experienced it. That makes sense. It also brings up the point where I, where I was talking about it, where you were talking about earlier and the word I had never heard before reparenting, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it like, comes back into play here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one of, that's another one of those topics. that's like, I'm sure we could go back and forth on it, but it's one of those things as once again, for me, just the way I feel, it's like, that's a reality that I don't know. Yeah. And that's okay. Cause it's not your experience and that's why I'm here. Yeah. There's this whole thing, especially within the queer community, you know, that it gets better. Yeah. Because it doesn't get better for everyone. That's the reality. Um, things don't always get better, whether you're queer or not. Like, you know, life isn't always fair. Um, but in many ways, things have gotten better, but I'd still, I, I guess I would advise myself that like, there is no baseline in better. Like it's going to get better, but mm-hmm. you know, there's ups and downs. Um, I guess what I would really want to say is just describe the future. That all the years I spent looking for others like me. I'm finally seeing them now and able to have community in a way that I never had before that growing up when I thought something was wrong to me and I would pray every night that I would wake up the way I was supposed to be because I knew I was a girl, but I didn't know what that meant. It took more than 20 years before I first heard the word transgender and I was completely alone. I would have told myself that you're going to know who you are and that it's okay to be that way. I think I would tell myself that all the things that people told me I couldn't be, I've been able to be, and I'm going to continue to be me and that I would finally get to a point where I could say, I love you to myself. It took 40 plus years, but it was one of the most amazing days of my life when I could finally accept who I was and say that out loud to myself in the mirror 
and finally be comfortable with who I am. And so I think it'd be just kind of mapping out what the future holds more than any sort of advice because I couldn't have transitioned any earlier. I, I transitioned at the right time as much as I wish I could have Yeah. with, you know, my situation. I don't think I'd be alive if I, if I had, like it had to be right for me. And it was unfortunate that it took that long. So, you know, I think giving the advice wouldn't really be the right thing, yeah. but showing that future yeah, would be huge. Yeah. So I remember having that conversation with Nikki when they were, so just to preface it, I asked the question, you know, what would you go back and tell yourself as a kid now knowing what you know about yourself? Um, and it was with this answer that Nikki was, was, was giving. And I just, so much of what they said just hit me like right here. And I felt so much of it. And I felt such emotions like running through my body whenever I heard them talking about what they said and so many different experiences that I could relate to. And I just wanted to like hug them in that moment or like ask them, obviously get consent first, but like I wanted to just like offer my support the best that I could, but I was like having a conversation for a podcast. Um, And it was just like so many of the things that they, that they talked about there. Like, you know, like like they were saying, there's this thing in community where they say it gets better and it, it does in certain ways. And then other ways it doesn't like other ways, things get harder, but you build strength through the hardships that you face as a queer person or as a trans person or as just anyone who's not a majority. Mm-hmm. Like you have, you develop these, you, you develop these strengths to get through it. Cause if you don't, then your existence is just miserable and it's so hard um if you're not able to do that and it's it's not fair like they were saying there's a lot of things that you know get better and there's other things that get harder or just don't get better and it's like you know the you know saying of life that you know like we're gonna have like our peaks and valleys Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna have the moments like we're sending and the moments that we're suffering and it's so challenging but like just having to like look back at it with perspective and like being able to see your growth and your change and the other thing they were you know talking about like you know being able to say like you know that they could love themselves for the first time in like 40 years and like it took me like 28 years to get to that point so it was such a like revolutionary thing to like reach the point in my life where I could look at myself and say that I love myself was it was huge and to hear like Nikki express the same thing. I'm sure there's so many other trans people have had a very similar experience. Um, just makes me feel so connected and so fortunate to share my experiences and hear other people share experiences that are similar. Um, it's yeah, mm-hmm. it means, it means everything to have that community that understands and can relate to 
like my experiences. Mm-hmm. And I felt super honored and privileged to be the first person, the first trans person to like interview Nikki. I like, didn't know that. Yeah. Like I, I learned that like, I think prior to the podcast or afterwards, she told me that like I was the first trans person to interview her and I felt what? so honored and lucky to like be the first person. And also while we were there, like she led a photography clinic um, that I wish I could have gone to and like cloned myself and been at Laura's program and then gone to like uh, her photography clinic at the same time. And she said, yeah, like that day of the clinic, uh, a trans person like finally like, you know, photographed her like for the first time. Like, I don't know if it was while her climbing, but she told me that was a first for her as well at the festival. So it was just like a lot of firsts for so many people and like such a special and like important experience that Flash Foxy was able to facilitate. So That's, that's amazing. It's funny. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's like the first time I saw other black people in the gym, I was kind of like, Oh, the secret's out. <laughs> that was, that was my response. I was like, well, I don't get to use the token card anymore. And it was like, but it was, it was, it was a little, it was a little odd at first. Like you could be like, it's not, you know, and I'm sure there are people like, why does it matter if they're black or why does it matter if this, this, it just does. Yeah, like like the, if it's like, not something you experience, then you're not going to fully understand the the new importance things are of new. it. New things are new, and like that's like the only way mm-hmm. I can think of. Like I just remember the first time I hung out with a bunch of brothers, and it was all black men climbing, and I was like, "This is just like the greatest thing since sliced bread," <laughs> because it's just like there's a certain level of humor. There's just, there's there's shared live experiences exactly that are there when you have shared live, live experiences. Certain things just don't have to be said. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like you just operate in this space. But I had no idea that that's it. So congratulations on that. Thank that's you. Like, yeah, it's a big deal. That's a really, like, really big deal. I'm glad that you like mentioned your perspective and stuff about like being black and being able to climb with other black people for the first time. Like, I hate comparing being trans to like being black because it's nowhere near the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it it's a similar thing in terms of like being a minority, basically, and. Whenever I first came out, I had one of my friends who was black tell me, you know, welcome to the club. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, of being a minority. And I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I'm like, it's, it's good to hear, not good, but like, you know, mm-hmm. it's comforting to hear that, you know, there's those like similar experiences. Cause I had the, I talked about it in that conversation with Nikki just after that moment of the first time I, you know, met another trans woman climbing in the gym, took me like two years climbing in the gym to finally meet another trans woman where I'd met other trans, like, you know, uh, mask, like trans men. I met a lot of non-binary people, but trans woman in a climbing gym was just not something I saw for two years. And like, that was very similar to what you're saying. It was just like this moment, like where things were just like super great. And it was really great to climb with with her basically. Um, yeah, so I can definitely like relate to that sense of like feeling of just like having that shared life experience and like not having to like really feel like nervous or like have any anxiety around about someone there with you like not understanding or like misinterpreting something. Um it just all kind of like mm-hmm. falls away and there's like this peace. Yeah. 
This next one is Homegirl Claire. Accepting um, that I am transgender and mm-hmm. starting my my journey um, to live my truth. Um, I have been able to build some of the best, closest um, relationships um, with other trans people through through Instagram, through whatever other online format there is. Um, And I, I, I don't know that I could be where I'm at today without that. Yeah. That was like, as soon as like I heard Claire say that in our conversation, I was just like, yeah, that's like a hundred percent how I feel too. Especially like in the beginning of my transition, like Instagram was such a, important tool for me to connect with other trans women or other trans people because I didn't know anyone else. I knew one other person that was trans from uh, my college and he graduated a couple of years after me. Um, but I knew like no one else that I actually interacted with uh, was trans. So Instagram is, was just such an important tool and like YouTube as well, but more Instagram because I could actually connect with those people. Mm-hmm. and start a relationship essentially of a friendship and those were like some of the most important and like like beginning friendships that i had with other trans people like there's one girl that um reached out to me and was just like asking me some questions because i was just like less than a year in but i was like posting like i was making posts and just like writing essentially like almost a blog post or like a mini uh, blog post with like yeah. every post if you go back to my instagram yeah. page you can see all these posts that i put so much effort into my captions about talking about what I was going through and like how I was doing or like things I was processing or anything I was facing, I would just like pour into my post. And it was super like, took a lot of energy and a lot of effort to do, but like she reached out to me because she saw that like I cared enough to like be putting this information out there and she was asking me for advice. And I ended up just like actually back in 2019, I went to New York for this, uh, this program that I was doing and I stayed with her and her wife. Like it's beautiful. It's just like meeting like Instagram friends in real life. Like I said, I mentioned earlier, I got to climb with uh, another trans woman in Sedona um, that I made, you know, through Instagram. And it's just like these really incredible friendships that wouldn't exist without, you know, having the internet essentially and having these online platforms. It's so important for especially so many people in the queer community that are in more rural locations to have access to a community even if it's online yeah it's got to start somewhere because you need to be to feel relatable to other people it makes you feel less alone it makes you feel like normal no i 100 agree with you on that Uh, the social media and the advent of like online media online platforms to be able to connect people together has been i mean the climbing community wouldn't be where it is for without it. Mm-hmm. Almost no community, good and evil, sadly to say. Yeah, sadly, like that's like one of the good sides from it. There's a lot of negative things that come along with social media um, but, and those yeah. platforms, but like this is like one of the good things I wanted to touch on. I think that's the reality of freedom in general, freedom and free will. Like, you know, it's like you just hope that everybody is kind and loving and has human decency and, exp- and wants basic human rights and everything mm-hmm. like that. But 
you know, and it's, it's sad that it, it does, that the other side of it is, but it is beautiful and it is magical that you've been able to connect and the community has been able to connect all of, or through this platform. Cause I can't imagine what it would have been like, like, you know, 25, 30 years ago when mm-hmm. it wasn't around. Yeah. I mean, at that point, like there were like, you know, chat rooms and stuff when the internet was first getting oh, started. Yeah. And so people were connecting like through chat rooms and stuff. But even then, like that wasn't anywhere close to what we have available with technology today. No, um, ICQ chat rooms or something. It was like, like there's like AIM uh, and like yeah, Yahoo AOL. and stuff. Um, uh, I was always like on the AIM Americans uh, instant I'm messenger. Pretty, I'm pretty sure it was like ICQ was like the anonymous one. Oh, I don't remember that one. I can't remember what it was called. Someone will, if someone knows what it is, can you <laughs> put it in the comments? Um, but uh, I... Yeah, I just remember that. But yeah, that's that's wild. And now it is much more intimate because you're able to share your life and you're able to invite people into your life. Even though it's virtually, you're still able to share your life and invite people in. Mm-hmm. Allow, and and yeah. And it's, like a, it's a great starting point because if it's something that like that relationship grows enough to a point, you know, you can actually like, you know, meet up and stuff and like develop a relationship past that point. Yeah, I would agree. Next up, we have Sam. Yep. It's hard yeah. to be creative without uh, validation. Yeah. That's a yeah. very good point. I think that's um that's one of the lines that kind of for me kind of defines the difference between creating content and creating like a film. Cause like where is that line? Right. Because so many people make things on their own and they're so good. Um, but there's definitely a line that you cross once you start collaborating with a lot of people. And so, um, mm-hmm. that's something that I've missed in COVID is the collaboration of creative people. Cause yeah. you just like, like what you're saying, like editing alone on a computer in a room, you just don't have any perspective really. Um, mm-hmm. and the climbing gym you do to fall and then like when you're skiing and you're on the chairlift and you see someone fall you like give them a a woohoo and a clap or something and then they they like woohoo back you know it's just like it's totally different so it's like failure is is uh is celebrated amongst people but when you're alone in an editing Mm -hmm. room um you kind of have to make mistakes in order that's how creativity works for me at least i try a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. and if it keeps on not working then it's just like oh how many times can i go get tea you know in a day before i just end up realizing like this I'm just alone on this computer. Yeah, that really stuck out to me again when I listened to it. And right before that soundbite started, I was like talking about, you know, the differences between climbing and uh, like being a creative and like being like in an edit, you know, being on a computer editing by yourself. Like climbing is so great. And like these other, like any type of other sport that's a communal sport is amazing because you're surrounded by community and the process of failure Mm -hmm. that you have these other people there that can encourage you to get back up and go again. Yeah. And that's like one of the most incredible parts about climbing for me is the community and that support that I have from them. Um, and as a, you know, creative and like as a filmmaker, photographer, whatever, um, it's a different process of like, being on set and collaborating with other people is amazing. I love that aspect of it, but I still find myself struggling when I'm by myself, like editing, you know, I'm by myself in this room and I don't have the, you know, other people, other 
you know, creators to like collaborate with. And, um, it's like you said in the beginning, it's like, um, being creative, like takes validation. Yeah. Like that's important aspect of it. And I think that for me, it's like such a thing that I've missed and like overlooked through, uh, beginning stages of my, my, uh, creative career. And I'm still like, I still make those mistakes sometimes now, but just like having that clip was important for me to remind myself of that. Mm -hmm. No, I think this, like that clip is also important because even this process of you and I working together, Mm -hmm. it's been this collaboration. It's been this learning curve. It's been this thing. It's like, you know, I, I feel personally like you and I have learned been dancing around, like what is too much? what is too little, not too much as an intensity, mm-hmm. but so much like how much are we going to put out? How much less are we going to put out this balance? And it's been this going this back and forth of like understanding like what, when, how, and it, it, yeah, it, but like those, like I was saying earlier, this collaborative project has really been a big growing point for me. And I think as a creative, I agree with you. It's like collaborating, I think, is a must that you have to do at some point in time. Because if not, it just gets dark and it gets hard and you lose motivation and you lose psych. And yeah. It's just not, it's not fun anymore. Yeah. I mean, there are some people out there that like are really great, like soul, like, you They're know, creators and stuff. But like, yeah, we're human beings. We are like encoded for like community and like having connections with other human beings. Moving forward, uh, I think we'll go back to Nana. There we go. I mean, it's important though. I think uh, when it comes to how I feel about today's climbing culture, it can be like a um, a representation of culture in general. Um, and so it's it's everything. Like it has everything. So I found some of my best friends and community through climbing. Um, people I connect with, not just about climbing, but about what it means to be alive and like create art and, uh, eat good food and love and go through heartbreak and, um, climbing brings us together. And so climbing is phenomenal and, uh, climbing culture can just be that it can be going to the gym before work or after work, or if you freelance like me, what is time? And I just end up at the gym. (laughs) It can be a way of holding space for people um, and talking about things without talking about them. It's its own language. Um, It can, it has so much potential. And I think uh, what is cool is conversations are being had now that even when I started out weren't being had around gender and around um, you know, race and around like cycles of harm, like how the climbing industry has tokenized people, um, misrepresented people, mistold stories, appropriated cultures, um, perpetuated toxic masculinity. Um, there's just a whole heap of nuance that I think the climbing industry can thank like culture at large for. That conversation with Nana was like so like eye-opening for me because I started 
with this idea of like asking this question, you know, like what would make the climbing community better mm-hmm. was like what I was asking, like, you know, most people. And I came to start hearing this very similar answer from everyone that I was talking to of like my my perspective and my mindset was so narrow about like just talking about the climbing community. But it's, you know, these things that I face or that, you know, you face or anyone else, you know, who's, you know, a minority or or whatever else like faces in the climbing community, it's everywhere else in their lives. Mm -hmm. So to like, just like narrow it down to the climbing community is such a like small aspect of the overall picture and it all stems from culture and society and that's where it all starts and then it just works its way down into the climbing community a smaller community of you know us as a culture um and that was like such a like important thing for me to hear and understand from that conversation and i just love getting to hear about them talking about you know what climbing means for them and talking about you know friendships and like finding love and like eating good food and just like all these other aspects of life that are you get to share with the rest of your community that you, you know, conform through climbing. I love that because it's like, I don't know, I think as climbers, you know, and I have people ask me, is this podcast a climbing podcast? And I like, no, it's a climbing podcast. Just so happen we talk about climbing because I am a climber. Exactly. You are a climber. But like climbing is not life as much as we act like it is. <laughs> It's not life. And this is bigger than, I mean, this is bigger. I mean, this thing is big. I want to say it's bigger than us, but it's like, it's just big in general. And I think really understanding that, like, we have the tools, we have the skills, we have the tenacity, we Mm -hmm. have everything we need emotionally, spiritually, and physically to work on these problems. What we have to do is just craft these tangible tools out in the real world and craft these tangible skills out in the real world to continue to make this place what we want it to be yeah something else that i'll just this last thing i swear for this uh clip but nana said something else that i really wanted to include but i like this one so much more but short and sweet they said that climbing or any other sport or hobby is just a vehicle to community truth truth Mm-hmm. very much so i've heard i've heard similar statements like that before but that is i would 100 percent vehemently agree yeah. with that and so that just like piggybacks on what they're saying there and i had to toss that in no no i definitely agree i think that i think that is like yeah no it is the vehicle by which we all use to to, to relate communicate um but now we have i think cats next our main man cat coming up mm-hmm. here Perfect. Yeah. If you're not going to be open to it, then you'll be closed forever. Like, um, and it can be very uncomfortable and very vulnerable to feel like you don't know at all because it does feel like, oh, everything I know is wrong or I'm a bad person because I fucked up. And that's not true. It's, um, if you mess up or I personally don't believe that 
people are inherently bad people. I think it's, you know, habits and patterns and that's what creates conditions and like what creates a less than good person. But you need, there's, it's very hard to be vulnerable and it's very uncomfortable to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, but that is something that we have to do as humans if we want to be open to becoming better because most likely the stories that we will listen to are gonna change or challenge something that we think we know and we need to be careful about our defenses because the moment the defenses go up and we think that we and we feel like we are being attacked we will not hear a word that is said yep it we will be closed off and then it becomes a yelling war between both sides who are not listening at all to each other what anyone has to say and nothing gets done that way mm-hmm. um so it's it's a very and like you know you don't have to be vulnerable all the time yeah because that can be exhausting basically it's exhausting you gotta, you gotta take breaks basically but, but hopefully do it more than not yeah hopefully be open and search for their stories and listen to people and then also amplify amplify the voices of people who are telling you it kind of goes back to what you're saying earlier like you mentioned about like you know essentially at that point it just becomes a shouting match between you know like with social media right now yeah um and like i just love uh cat's approach to being able to listen and be vulnerable because it is hard. It's it's very challenging because it's not something that we were not I'm not gonna generalize, I'm say it's not something that I was brought up doing, um, learning how to be vulnerable. And it's like I feel like a lot of people also have a similar, you know, upbringing where they weren't, you know, taught how to like talk about their feelings or like talk about things that are hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah. so it's very challenging thing. And I'll, I'll fall back on this word again since you seem to like it so much, but reparenting yourself to learn how to, you know, have those difficult conversations with people yeah. because it's those difficult conversations where you're going to have the most growth uh, as a human being and like be able to learn things. And if you're able to listen to people talk about their perspectives and what they're going through without getting defensive, then you might just learn something. I would definitely agree. Um, it was on the tip of my tongue with this, epi- with this clip. Yeah. It was just there and it floated away in my brain. Yeah. I mean, um, I can keep riffing. We'll come back to you probably. It will come back to me eventually <laughs> at some point in time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's also just like, you know, it takes, you know, like we we're talking about at the end of that clip, you know, it's like, it's going to be vulnerable. But it's also like, it's exhausting. So you need to take breaks. You just, you got you. Yeah. No. Um, the thing that I wanted to say is I think also too, it's like a lot of people are like, I don't know how to be vulnerable. And it, it depends. And some people, this is really true. Like if mm-hmm. you grew up in a house, I grew up in a house where we communicated, we communicated our vulnerability to each other, but very rarely did we communicate that vulnerability with people outside of the household? Mm-hmm. And I think like learning how to, and it's different, it's different outside of a family structure and yeah. it's different within a relationship and intimacy and a bunch of other stuff. 
But like, I think understanding that, like, once again, like you probably have the tools unless you fall into certain circumstances, which I won't get into all of those. Like it, it, you might know, you don't know if you don't know, seek therapy or talk to quite a few close personal friends and ask real questions and your friends will help you lead into that unless they're all terrible people. Yeah. Talk to people that you trust. And like you, if you like their advice, be willing to talk to them about it then. Amen. But if it's someone whose advice you wouldn't take, maybe you shouldn't have that conversation with them. But like the other thing that you just reminded me of when you said about with your family, like, I love that you had that experience with your family. Like I didn't have that experience. Like I didn't talk, learn to talk about my emotions or feelings until way later in life. Um, and like, it's, and like you were saying, you know, it was easy for you to talk about those things with your family because you have the practice. Um, and for me, it's like, I find it very challenging actually to be vulnerable with the people in my life, like my family or my partner, the people who are more the most important to me. I find it challenging sometimes to open up and be vulnerable with them because I care so much about how they think of me that that overshadows my ability to be vulnerable with them. I don't want them to be upset with me. And that comes from like a deep rooted like past of like people pleasing and like my, you know, past as a child um, that I'm still working on and like, you know, trying to better myself there and grow past it. But it's things that like constantly pop up that I have to like see and like call out and then be able to kind of like set aside and move forward. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's hard. It's not easy. Yeah. For everyone listening, you know, like climbing is one of those things where we seek out the most difficult way possible to get up something like you could walk around and get to the top of a cliff. Another way you don't have to go up. doesn't matter what the grade is. There's likely an easier way up there. You know, and we throw ourselves at these problems that can take weeks, months, years, sometimes to finally send. But there's been this idea that when it comes to understanding identity, when it comes to understanding racial discrimination, homophobia, transphobia, sexism, all these things that it's difficult and it's uncomfortable and it makes us uncomfortable. But like we've chosen to do that very thing in another mm -hmm. sport. Like I think we need to think about things a little bit differently when it comes to some of these difficult issues and not just ignore it because it's hard. Like we chosen a life where we choose mm -hmm. the hard thing. So we need to apply ourselves to a lot of these problems in the same way because right now the people who are really making the change and pushing in these sports are the people who are the most affected by all the issues in there and it's tiring and it's hard to be the only ones out there without allies and we need everyone to start doing the work yeah and it makes us all better like challenge can be really good it yeah. can help us grow internally by pushing ourselves. And I've learned a lot by trying to get over my own internalized homophobia and transphobia, but also my internalized racism and sexism and so many other things. Like it's made me a better person by really confronting that and looking at that. 
And I think everyone should apply more of what we do in climbing to the problems in our daily life in a positive way, rather than use climbing as a way to always just escape mm-hmm. everything. Kind of similar to what Kat was saying there, but I just love the way Nikki was able to relate it back to climbing. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I've seen and noticed about climbing is how almost everything that I've learned in climbing can translate into real life and what I'm going through. And I try my best if I'm going through something challenging to take a break or pause and like try to reference back to climbing and seeing like how something from climbing can relate to what I'm going through yeah, and how I can use that to push through or grow or learn about the situation that I'm in. Um, and yeah, like they said, you know, we choose this, the sport where like we choose to go up this, you know, this mountain or this wall we choose the hardest route possible, mm-hmm. like the path of most resistance, basically. And then in life, we get into these like hard situations, um, like dealing with conversations about like homophobia, transphobia, racism, or ableism, or anything else that's, you know, dividing of people that we don't like to talk about. And we just like majority of of us, including myself, we just like look the other way because we don't want to like have that discomfort Yeah. because discomfort is not, doesn't feel, it's not familiar um, for us. So we, we shy away from it. And it's like, you know, Nikki was saying, it's those like challenging things that can make us a better person and everything they said there just really like stood out to me as just something that's so important to remember and remind myself with and like they were talking about you know don't use climbing just as an escape yeah and that's very important too because like i've i've used climbing in that way as an escape to temporarily get away from some really intense emotions and feelings that i'm feeling however i'm able to return to those feelings and thoughts with a clear head and more presence with myself to better reflect on them So that's the important aspect, I think, is yes, you can use climbing as an escape and a way to presence yourself as long as you're able to come back to who you are as a person and the things you're going through in life and like using that presence to push forward and grow and better yourself. Like that's what I took away from that. And it's so important to keep that in mind. I think as someone on the complete outside of the spectrum, listening to this whole series, you know, I think the biggest thing that I'm taking away from this is, I guess is really kind of three things. It's one, I have a lot to still learn. I have a lot to learn about the communities, the communities that exist, the marginalized are unseen communities or small communities within the larger ocean as as we call this like the com- the ocean of communities mm-hmm. you know and i think this series has been really kind of magical for me in that regards it's like i just like you just don't always get a glimpse into someone else's truth you don't always get a glimpse into that i think the second thing is is 
this is fixable. I mean, this is not going to happen anytime soon, but this is definitely like we, as Nikki said, as Kat said, as we've talked about like climbers, we have the innate skills. Like rock climbing doesn't just teach you how to rock climb hard. It is a skill that you manage like this, the life skills that climbing or any true adventure sport teaches you discipline, patience, planning, execution, understanding that like, you know, where you need to actually kind of dive in, lean in hard, mm -hmm. sometimes back up, sometimes admit defeat, sometimes mm -hmm. say it's not going to happen today. And sometimes say, you know, understand like, okay, I need to show up today. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a big part of it. And I think, you know, the third and final part of this is, is which we've mentioned quite a bit while we've been here. It's setting up relationships for the purposes of love and communication. Like we've like, and I think those things are important. It's not your job to educate everybody. It's not my job to educate everybody on certain things. But what I am willing to do is have a genuine conversation with you. If you're doing your own homework, you're doing your own things, if you're making yourself grow and you're trying to make the community better and you're being an advocate and an ally for whoever is in your community and in your spaces, I think then continuing talking to those people and building closer relationships and letting those relationships have value in your life is very key. I think it's like, you know, one thing I'm listening and I'm hearing with all of this is that like we, some people, we have these little conversations and we have these little things, but then we talk about how like the climbing community is like, okay, well, here, here you are, you're, you're my tokens in this, or you're in this, it's this, but it's like, it's like flash foxy event. It really sounds like one of the few events where you like, you were really building value and building depth into yourself. And that event allows you to build the community and I don't think there's just not a lot of, but, well, I say that like that event allows conversations for that to happen. And I don't think there's a lot of places that, and I know a lot of gyms and places are trying to have affinity spaces mm -hmm. and things like that, but I think it needs to be happening on a personal level, on a daily level, just between people walking around the gym, or walking around in life. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy but no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care and they won't know until you say hello. And I think that's like a big thing. And so these are just like the thoughts that have been swirling around in my head mm -hmm. through this whole thing. Yeah. No, I definitely like everything you said just like totally makes sense. And I like a hundred percent like agree with what you're saying and like, um, yeah, like another thing you were talking about, you know, climbing teaches you all those skills. And the other thing that I thought about, I was like, I didn't want to interrupt you, but now I'm just like, like the other thing that like I didn't hear you say was like climbing also teaches you how to learn how to adapt and improvise Truth. in the necessary moments. And that's so much of life as well is just like having to improvise mm -hmm. and do like make things up as you go. And that all comes from your core, like your values and your integrity mm -hmm. and like what you hold close and like the things you find important, like that all like builds onto how you're able to adapt and improvise in life. Um, and that's just like, it's so valuable and important to uh, realize that and like 
be aware. Um, and then the other part I wanted to like touch on, uh, just kind of wrapping up is just like, you know, if you're in the community and you're looking for events and stuff, uh, for like getting to climb with other queer folks, like, um, there are resources out there. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but Kat actually started, um, a, um, let me see if I can just like bring it up on my phone really I fast. I think he's recently posted about it. Yeah. He's recently posted about it, but I think I listed it on, uh, the notes, um, with his page that I can quickly, very quickly bring up. Yeah. He started, uh, it's on Instagram and it's called queer climbers network. And he uh. is posting every single queer climbing event that he has access to like weekly and like listing out the dates and the events and where they're happening. So if there's something close by you, go check out um, the uh, Queer Climbers Network on Instagram that Kat is so graciously using his time and resources to put together for us um, is a really great resource. And then I want to like also shout out to the Climb Out Camp Out event that I went, went to last year um, is another amazing resource to get to climb with other queer folks. Um, and there were people there from like all across the country when I was there. Like I was... You know, most people are California based, but there's other people from across the country like me who, you know, came in for the event. They're going to do one in uh, Bend, Oregon oh, nice. uh, coming up in uh, next month in September. OK. And then they have one. Uh, they do another event in Joshua Tree in November. Uh, and I'm trying my best to go back to that one. I really yeah. want to go to the Bend one, but I don't know if like financially if I can make it work out right now. Bend is a but hike. I'm, I'm hoping that I can like at least like somehow go and like take photos and like just like give me a plane ticket there and like I can do the rest yeah and like just give me like just pay me a little bit for like the photos and like just so I can call it a job and like write it off like please yeah um I would love to get to go and just like photograph the experience um it'd be so amazing like I love getting to photograph people climbing especially like queer people climbing it just makes it that much more rich for me yeah. uh doing that with my community um but yeah i guess like just kind of closing thoughts and stuff i just want to say you know thank you to everyone who has like tuned in and listened episode after episode and like getting all the way here it's like so important and i'm so grateful to like have people have reached out to me and like thank me for like putting in the time and energy and putting this together um yeah it's been really special well, thank you for saying yes. This podcast is about making friendships, making homies, understanding what makes people tick, their sending and suffering that has made them who they are today. I got to hear a little bit about that in a lot of other people's lives, not by me, but by Alexa. And I also got to have a friendship deepen, grow stronger, and bigger and stronger, bolder bonds. Alexa, I love you dearly. Thank you so much for doing this. I hope this episode gave to you what it gave to me. And remember, if you're not suffering, are you even sending at all? Stop, 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 stop.